You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Data Unlocked podcast. My name is Jason Davis, Simon Data CEO and co-founder and your host. I'm excited today to have Mayor Gupta, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at the USA Today Network on our podcast here today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me over. Looking forward to the chat. Great. Can you share a bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Yes. It's been what a bit of tipsy, topsy journey for me with many pivots. I'll start all the way back. Grew up in India. Did my major in computer science, which sounds very weird considering the role that I play now. But back then, perhaps it was the easiest way for us to get a job unless I wanted to play professional cricket, which wasn't possible either with a billion people and uh, 80% of the kids wanting to do that. So I was an engineer for the first few years. I started my career building an online education platform for Cisco, was writing code in Java, JDB. In fact, Jason, I was a DBA for six months very early on, and then a Unix administrator as well, became a tech architect. A big pivot for me really came in late 2006 when I was working at Sapient and it acquired an ad tech product. And that is what drove the first pivot. One of my mentors asked me to be a product manager and I evolved from being a pure technologist and engineer to building products for marketing and advertising. And that is how I took my first baby step into that world. Went on to do that for three and a half, four years, built ad servers, CRM platforms. We had our own email relay engine, learned a lot but from a very different starting point into marketing. And then I was at Sapient for almost 12 years. And the next, the second period for me came when I finally left Sapient to join Kimberly Clark in 2012 as a chief marketing technologist and uh, had three big lessons that I learned over those three and a half years that I was there in that role. It was a fantastic learning curve for me getting into corporate America. But one was I evolved from being a hammer as a technologist where everything looked like a nail to finally understanding that the focus for technology and data is more in the application to fundamentally change and inspire human behavior and not for technology's sake. The second thing which I learned the hard way was if you can't explain it simply, then you don't know it well enough. And that is what taught me the intersection of technology and data with storytelling, both internally and externally. And then lastly, more personally, I decided that I needed a point of view in general, and um, that was a pivot for me. But did that for three and a half years, went, uh, played a small role in a healthcare company owned by a private equity, Health Grades, was a chief marketing officer there. But then got an amazing opportunity to join Spotify as a VP of growth. And I pretty much learned that the only mode you have as a company is your ability to move faster than anybody else. Learned a lot at Spotify from great leaders like Seth and Daniel and so on, and became the CMO at Freshly after that direct-to-consumer was acquired by Nestle last year. And then finally landed at, I think, one of the best companies to work for, Gannett USA Today, along with Simon Data. So two best companies, let's put it that way. We're very excited about the mission. I'm the chief marketing and strategy officer here, partnering with my peers and teams to drive our evolution and transformation from a a legacy, exciting, purpose-driven brand, but advertising-led historically to now becoming more subscription-led, obsessed with customer value and so on. So very excited and uh, yeah, looking forward to our chat. Great. And really, I'm super excited to have you on today, Mayor. Really, one of the core goals of this podcast isn't just to talk about data, nor is it just about talking about marketing. It's really the intersection between the two. 
And your background from DBA to CMO is really sort of a great spectrum of sort of conversations for us to dive into. When we sort of look at fundamentally how to use data to disrupt markets and how to really drive that next generation of customer experience, we see three broad buckets of competencies that are just critical to success. The first is around strategy. How do you use data to inform your strategy? And to your point, my sort of career thesis as with yours is that data doesn't own the strategy, data informs the strategy. That's number one. The second bucket is around how do you actually have the right technology to support that? At Simon Data in particular, we just find that operationally data is way too hard today. And how do you remove that friction from actually using data to personalize and every other aspect that data can drive value for customer marketing? And then the final bit is it really gets execution. How do you put it all together? Everything from best practices to really getting the right team in place. And today, I actually wanted to focus on those aspects around the team, the organization, and sort of the culture that's required to actually leverage data in the right way to drive great marketing and brand outcomes. So maybe with that, we can start with one of my favorite topics. I'm a Cornell grad, and I actually give a lecture once a year, a guest lecture at Cornell Tech here in New York. And I always sort of drill in the notion of metrics and KPIs and how they can be used to align teams and organizations across initiatives for any application, marketing and also non-marketing applications. But maybe we can just start there, Mayor, and maybe we can talk about how you think about using metrics and sort of quantitative goal setting through an OKR process or similar to drive some of your marketing initiatives. Yeah, well, that's a fantastic setup. I feel we can almost stop the podcast right here because uh, there were so many great insights and answers in the questions and the setup you had, Jason. We'd love to come back to the one point you made at some point in the podcast about being data-informed versus being data-dependent because I've been on the receiving end of that, and that is a very important point. But to address your question first on how do we leverage shared OKRs or shared metrics and uh, what templates and tools we use. First, I'm a firm believer that the customer experiences that any business needs to drive at scale or a startup growth stage, doesn't matter, happens at the intersection of product, data, engineering, marketing, storytelling, finance. It can no longer happen in any of those areas in isolation. Now, many organizations create many different organizational models to drive it. Some companies have created growth teams started by Facebook back in 07, 08. Some companies just hold both teams accountable and create pods. So at Gannett, we have created a concept of cross-functional pods that are uh, focused on a very tangible and quantitative outcome, which is measured through tangible KPIs and key results. And we use OKRs, which is very common now across growth companies. And those pods are staffed, obviously, based on the outcome and the KPIs itself, but they are staffed cross-functionally led by one pod lead. But the pod could have two full-stack engineers, a front-end person, a data scientist, an analyst, a researcher, probably staffed part-time, a storyteller, a marketer, media buyer, a performance or growth marketer. So the idea is that we strongly believe that the big rocks are going to be moved when our cross-functional powerhouses come together. They have very tangibly defined key results in OKRs. We look at those monthly and quarterly and you check and adjust. And it all ladders up to a company OKR, which is, again, all of this is a whole new rhythm as part of our evolution as a company. But I firmly believe that is the only way you can really change and move fast and faster than the competition. Yeah, no, 100%. I don't know, maybe you want to speak for a few minutes about some of the transformations that the USA Today Network is going through as a business, or maybe how those transformations can be accelerated, or you're thinking about accelerating them, rather, through the usage of the right metrics and KPIs. Yes, I think, um, well, it's all of it, the data and the KPIs, and more importantly, or most importantly, the mindset and the culture 
to look at what is happening, what happened last week, what are we going to do next week at scale? 15,000 people operating like that is a make or break for any company to drive growth in today's highly competitive ecosystem, right? Where consumers have so much choice. So we are going through, we are not operating like that. Of course, we've got a long ways to go and continue to learn. But the transformation, how we define transformation, how you would hear my previous CEO and chairman, is pretty much evolving the core business model, which for a category itself, which is news and content, has been largely advertising-led, media-driven, not just in news. If you look at the Disney's and the HBO's or the Discoveries, everyone. And all of those are now pivoting to a combination which is now led by a direct-to-consumer model, which is largely subscription-led, where your core product is no longer audience attention, but product, but content. And... It is all about how do you drive incremental value every single time you engage with your customer to give yourself a chance to bring them back one more time. That's a mindset that drives habits, drives engagement, hence higher LTV. So obviously underneath that, a lot of strategic decisions we've made. We've recently introduced Paywall and made USA Today publication a premium subscription publication. For 40 years, it's been free. So that's one example of how we have a lot of data where our consumers want to pay for high quality premium content and journalism. They understand that the traditional model of journalism being driven through advertising dollar is not good enough. It's not scalable enough. And we've seen some very exciting growth numbers there early on. So there are examples like that where we have used our consumer insights, what we've learned from consumer behavior, market insights to drive our strategy, to define our top five North Stars. But now it is all about how do we build that growth mindset and the growth culture, which is rooted in data, but very importantly, not just data, but the evolution of data into insights and action. Yep. Yeah. And these are trends we see across many, many verticals as well. In e-commerce and retail in particular, there's obviously a transition from thinking about revenue numbers across retail locations and revenue per square foot to revenue numbers and value around the customer. Speaking with one of our head of data science at one of our large customers in the airline space, and he was saying, we were discussing the trade-offs around optimizing for empty seats in a plane versus optimizing for customer value and loyalty. The $49 fill some empty seats are great for the unit economics, but they're not necessarily great for the brand and expectation setting. How are leading brands using data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market? Find out on Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. So super interesting times. I think certainly there's huge trends, obviously, accelerated by COVID around optimizing metrics and KPIs against the customer. Maybe we sort of go on to our next topic. And Mayor, you sort of mentioned this around your cross-functional teams. One of the biggest challenges that we see in the marketplace, which is really just effective collaboration between folks who understand the data well and folks on the business side of the non-technical side who you have really good intuition and have some instincts around the data, but don't necessarily have the skills or the technical expertise or the systems for that matter to necessarily leverage the data. Obviously, these problems you need to start with interpersonal relationships and collaborative models, but maybe you can sort of dive into how you've addressed this a little bit and how you think about your really fostering true cross-functional collaboration. Yeah, that's a great point. I firmly believe that the experiences businesses drive today are a function of how you organize, but also how you operate, how you execute. So the way we've solved that, again, piggybacking on that cross-functional call model, 
actually all our pods are staffed with either a full-time data analyst or a partial data analyst or a data scientist, depending on the need. Pretty much each one of those have a staffing. And um, at the end, that is what feeds into whatever outcomes and what are business outcomes and KPIs and OKRs that pod is driving. So there is no separation. We don't believe that a business leader should be going somewhere to ask for something to be analyzed. That has to be something that you do 50 times a day, not based on a catalog and a backlog of 20 requests to get a report in a dashboard. The mindset is the reports and dashboards are important, but the core pods have to be living and breathing in macros and spreadsheets and running queries and analyzing and slicing and dicing the data. But that can't be decoupled. So first that, but at the same time, we've also ensured that as a data bubbles up, we are separating the business leaders to shape the narrative because otherwise it's very natural that if I own the KPIs and I'm accountable for the p and I'm going to shape the narrative internally based on how I think. So there's also a separation. So the head of data, the chief data officer, while they report into me as a chief marketing and strategy officer, they are not accountable to the business leads. They have staffed the pods with data analysts and scientists, but at the end, they have the authority and the responsibility to call out a spade as a spade and be very binary. In fact, we've now built a new rhythm where every month there's a data readout for the entire company. It's an hardcore insight session where we are just talking about what we are learning in the last four weeks. What trends are we seeing? Why do we think that is happening? So the focus is on the what, but also more importantly, on the why we believe it could be happening. And it's agnostic of any business leader. We just go and present, and then it leads to a lot of great questions. Yeah, no. And I think with this, I mean, what we see out of sort of, you know, certainly our savviest customers and really those organizations that are data-driven is looking at data as really an enabler and not something which just necessarily justifies what has been done. I think if you look at a lot of common marketing attribution measures, as an example, so many folks in marketing just use those as ways of trying to justify a bigger budget for next quarter, and not necessarily as mechanisms to understand what's working and what's not. And I think so much of this is cultural and really getting people to have open conversations and see from leadership a real curiosity around how data can really help inform what's going on, help explain why things aren't working, and open new avenues. Yeah, that's a great point. And it brings us back to that one great comment you made about a very subtle line between being data dependent versus being data informed or data inspired. And I feel that when you're a, in the early stages, when you're direct to consumer, especially in direct to consumer, because you have so much addressability and so much data, that there is a tendency to become data dependent, where you become paralyzed until the data shows you the path forward. That's a very dangerous place to be in for a company because data gives you a lot of false positives too. And the way I challenge myself and my teams is don't lose serendipity. Don't lose common sense and irrationality of decision-making. Sometimes you're doing tests. We're spending three months, but there's nothing that is differentiated or has stats sick for you to make a decision. Sometimes you just have to apply your common sense, make the decision as long as you have the operating model where you can make pivots fast enough. And then sometimes you design the tests in a way which are self-fulfilling and you have to be, that's where data and creativity in terms of the test designs is also very important. And one last thing I would say, which I forgot to mention when we were talking about the metrics and the KPIs, it's all relevant in terms of how we look at data, is making sure that when we are analyzing performance, we just don't analyze the lagging indicators. So there are always these non-star KPIs that every business has. But the core growth teams that are working on making an impact, they don't optimize a lagging KPI. Like a 
subscription revenue is a lagging KPI. Your 52 week retention is a lagging KPI. The time spent on the network is a lagging KPI. But what you optimize and control are those leading KPIs, you know, which are 15 to 20 things. What is that one feature that is the strongest indicator for longer term retention? So how do I shrink the path for every single subscriber to get to that feature in the fast and the shortest possible way? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And sort of speaking to sort of false positives that can come if you be holding the data, you know, we were sort of uh, chimed into one of your LinkedIn threads, I think last week, we did some research a couple of years back on the highest converting emails. And the number one converting email was the password recovery email. Uh, you know, but this is not a strategic marketing lever. You know, this is a symptom of login and authentication issues that your customers have, or you may even have with your own systems. So, you know, this is a pretty simple example around where the machine and the data can't understand what's actually going on. But often, oftentimes, there's so many opportunities that feel as if they're moving the needle, but end up being pretty tactical and not really addressing the core needs of the customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, we're at time for today, but thanks for being on the podcast and really appreciate your sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me over. And uh, I'm cheering and uh, excited and always looking forward to all the fun stuff Simon Data is going to continue to do. Great. And thank you for everyone listening today. You can find other episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, or on LinkedIn under the Data Unlocked podcast page. And if anyone would like to get in touch with us, you can find us at hello at simondata.com. Thanks. listening to the data unlocked driving better marketing with better data you can listen to more episodes on spotify apple podcasts and google podcasts this podcast is sponsored by simon data we help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale